Patriots, assemble! We don't mess around. We don't waste time. Over here at His Hard Line. Let's go! from Washington, D.C., and giving it back to you, the people. Welcome to the show. Let's get started. Greetings and good day to all you ladies and gentlemen out there. I am Jason, your co-host with our sovereign Lord and Savior Christ Jesus at our side because he is the host with the most and the most high. He is in charge and yes, he is in the captain's chair. He is at the helm. He's behind the wheel, and therefore he is steering this great ship of ours through these crazy rough waters that we call life. So welcome to His Hard Line. Today is Sunday, September 3rd, 2023, and you're listening to episode 596, the Judiciary, the Judiciary Act, September 24, 1789, and we will be doing a reading out of Psalm 67. So first, let's get the daily disclaimer out of the way for all the Karens and Darrens, as you know, well, you know how they are. So I want to clarify that I am not a doctor, holistic health expert, financial advisor, pastor, priest, deacon, biblical scholar, or a bar lawyer. Definitely not one of those scumbags. I do not possess any titles of nobility or offer legal advice. I do not have a political degree or had any other involvement with any unconstitutional three-letter corrupt agencies like the CIA or FBI, which, by the way, if you're listening in, and I know you're listening in, and while I am a true member of the Michigan General Journal Assembly, and yes, I do advocate for your participation in the local General Journal Assemblies. I am not the official face or voice of the National State or County Assembly. I know these Karens and Darrens eat that line up because they're probably thinking, oh, he's not part of the Assembly. No, he's not. Yes, I am. I also want to emphasize that I have no affiliation with other groups who try to mimic the lawful assembly, such as the American States Assembly, National Liberty Life Force, Beacon 37, RUSA, and Tactical Civics, or any other organizations outside the Michigan model, and I have never participated in any fraudulent status correcting associated with AVR, Bobby Lawrence, or David Strait and Company. Furthermore, do not endorse or advocate for violence unless you meet me at doorstep with it at which that point it will be addressed accordingly. And it is important to note that I am also not a part of any cult and definitely not a Freemason on any level. And please note that the opinions, thoughts, and statements expressed on this platform are solely my own, unless otherwise referenced. So there you go to all the Karens and Darrens out there. 
Uh, yeah, go. All right. Oh, August was a hot month, a very busy month, but it was also, I would say, one of the best months of my life because that was the month that my little girl was born. And so, of course, we had to have a little family vacation. We went to Mackinac Island, as I already told a lot of you fine folks. And so, uh, yeah, you know, it's just been a very busy month between family vacations and work trips and just other pressing business, we'll just say. It's been a very, very busy, busy month. But anyway, before we get going, I kind of want to start off with this audio. And we're going to just start off by saying, first off, props and kudos to the Hawaii, the Hawaiian General Jural Assembly. Uh, let's give this a listen to, shall we? Shane Bingo Koinoa. You said, Nani, that you would listen to the people in Lahaina. Uh, there's a few names I'd like to name for you. Leonard Nakuara III, Daniel Palakiko, Tom Kaufman. Can you Louis. go a little bit slower? Because I'm going to write it down. Oh, you actually have a copy of the lawsuit that was put on you yesterday at 4.35 p.m. Oh, thank it's you. It's a quarantine okay. that's supposed to be limiting your powers, questioning the validity of this entire group. So I just want to go ahead and, and uh, come forward with this oral intervention. We the people are present. You cannot shut us out of this meeting just because we're not a part of this working group. We are the majority stakeholders of these lands. Corpus Juris Secundum, page 340, volume book 38A, page 340, right column. When the de jure, when the de jure people are present, the de facto, which is all of you, must step down. Oh, snap. You need to hear the people when the people come forward and you need to give the people a seat not just this group on this table. Fourth and fifth branches of government, because I, I hear in this core rental that you guys are a deliberative assembly. Right here in the, in the first, uh, the third line, second page of this core rental that was delivered to you guys yesterday. Build Beyond Barriers Working Group acts as a deliberative assembly established by the governor of the state of Hawaii, known as the Working Group. There is a de jure grand jury and assembly present, which is the fourth and fifth branch of government. And you guys do not supersede that fourth and fifth branch of government. That's right. So you need to keep in mind of the level in this land. You are outside of jurisdiction. This meeting has no standing and your assembly is out of authority. You are being investigated by the second circuit court. There is judges who have signed off on this and you still hold this meeting without Lahaina present. People from Lahaina sent you, yet you still feel like it's okay to sit here and talk about programs and housing and how much money you guys lost. Moving people out of Lahaina to Keau. How is that okay? This is not even a state issue. This is a Maui County issue. This meeting should be held in Maui. Not here, not with all of you in the state level. County supersedes the state level. Sister, you look a little confused. County supersedes the state level. <laughs> I'm just letting you know that. You look a little confused. <laughs> County planning issue. The leadership has been contracted verbally from your boss, Joshua B. Green, to the people of Lahaina. You guys are supposed to be following the leadership of the people. You said that in this meeting. He sat there and reiterated it. Yet the working group, luckily, you said we have public testimony. I don't know if we'll have it at the next meeting. 
but only you guys can sit at this table. You got to bring Lahaina in. And this is why this meeting should be held there. So the people of that land can be there for that meeting. As far as the people see it, you have no authority. You have zero standing. Because the major constitutional violations within 127A. This meeting does not stand as valid. And you have no authority, Nani, to do what you guys are doing here. Take the meeting back to the county of Maui, please. That's actually, that's not even a request. That's a demand from the people. Take this back to Maui County. Let Maui deal with it. Hello. That's right. Thank you. Wow. You know what? I don't know if I'm going to be using this in the proper context because I'm just a, you know, a simple boy from uh, Michigan here. But uh, from Michigan all the way to Hawaii, aloha to that. Bravo to whoever was the man who spoke up at that meeting there in Lahaina. Props to the Hawaiian General General Assembly. That was outstanding. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is exactly what we need to see more of across this land. We could take a, a little lesson or two out there from that little island that we know as Hawaii out there in the Pacific. Bravo. You know what that is right there, ladies and gentlemen? That's what you call the storm, the unstoppable storm. That's right. And he got it done, and he put them in their place. Man, did he put them in their place. That right there was amazing. That right there was absolutely amazing. And like Destry was saying right here in the chat, that covers the people at large, not personal issues. That's right. You see how that works? See, those people are in it for the state of Hawaii, for the county of Maui. They're not in it for their own personal gain. Which brings me to the next thing I kind of want to discuss. So now I want to kind of begin kind of by breaking these here with breaking down the importance of decentralized knowledge, wisdom, and factual information for the average person. Well, what's that mean? What do I mean by decentralized information? Well, in our own personal journey towards self-governance, as we you know forge forward and you know trying to reestablish our de jure government and reconstitute common law. It's very crucial that we don't solely rely on select a select few for knowledge and guidance. See, each of us possess, what do I want to say? Each of us possess unique skills and talents and knowledge, right? And we build and rebuild our communities and states. There's a significant need for self-education and research. There's, there's no doubt about it. And it's unrealistic to expect a small group of long-serving leaders to have all the answers. You see, we are not immortal, as we all know. And eventually, those with deep knowledge and wisdom will eventually pass away. Now, hopefully not anytime soon, but look, that's just kind of an inevitability of life, right? And taxes, right? Now, if, we're, if we solely depend on them, our future self-governance efforts very well fail with their departure. And that's why it's imperative for each of us 
to take responsibility for our own learning and lean other as our collective knowledge grows. We must ask questions and document what we've learned, right? And organize our research. See, this is essential to ensure that the valuable information required for a return to common law in a legitimate government remains intact and isn't lost across generations. You see, our goal should be to make this knowledge mainstream so it becomes impossible to forget and continues to guide us. In summary, decentralized knowledge and wisdom are critical for our path toward self-governance. We should all, I repeat, we should all actively educate ourselves, collaborate, research, and preserve this vital information to secure a sustainable future to maintaining a small but limited government as we rely on ourselves and our efforts to an abundant life guided by our Father in Heaven. Now, another element of being a well-informed and knowledgeable people is acquiring the ability to decipher fact from fiction. Well, what does that look like? Well, you need to check reliable sources, right? Start by verifying information from trustworthy and established firsthand accounts on the ground, right? Not second or third hand knowledge. You got to cross reference your information, folks. Okay, because if you come across a claim and they try to find, you know, you, you got to try to find multiple independent sources reporting the same information. See, consistency across different sources increases the very well likelihood that that story might be accurate, right? You got to consider the source's credibility. You got to evaluate the evidence, right? You got to be aware of sensationalism. See, that's very important. You got to be aware of those voices out there, the podcasters and the TikTokers and the Instagrammers. You got to be aware of that sensationalism, right? Be skeptical of information that seems overly dramatic and sensational because sensationalized stories are typically more than likely to be exaggerated or false, uh, just, just in general. Just in general, you got to consider expert opinion to some degree. And I don't like that word expert, but, you know, sometimes there's complex topics that require, you know, a certain uh, knowledge and opinions in a certain space. And so you got to seek out credible experts in that relevant field, right? And listen to their insights. They are all knowing in that field, but, you know, they generally have a higher knowledge than most people in that specific space. Uh, what does, uh, you know, deciphering fact from fiction look like? Look like, Well, critical thinking. Hmm. Seems like they try to eliminate that in public schools, right? They don't want us to critically think. See, applying critical thinking skills, you, it allows you to ask yourself if the information makes logical sense and if there are any logical fallacies or inconsistencies in the argument. You know, you have to be aware of bias. That's another thing you got to look for. Be aware of biases. Recognize that bias can influence how information is presented. Try to identify potential biases in the source and consider how they might impact the information's accuracy. Here's another one. Question the anonymity. Look, I understand that sources are going to be anonymous and they want to, you know, be held, you know, uh, silent to some degree. I get that. But sometimes, you know, when someone constantly just brings out anonymous sources over and over and over and over again, it just kind of makes you wonder, where are you really getting your information from? Now, I want to play this one video. Let me find it real quick because this is what I'm talking about. Now, I'm not faulting anybody who watched this and, you know, thought maybe this validity. 
But let's listen to this. This is about three minutes long. Okay, this was uh, regarding a bunch of military people in Hawaii. Just give this a quick listen to, and we'll address it here in a second. Breaking news. Ex-military elite special force members showed up in Maui to help the people and arrested some of the local police for treason to the country. Wait, is this real? Yes. No, you didn't hear about it in the news, nor will you ever. Do you think it was wildfires? Definitely not. If you do, you're an idiot. There's been enough proof. You've seen enough. It sucks that I only have three minutes because I can't even tell this whole freaking what I've learned in three minutes, but I'm going to try to make it short. Somebody that we all know who's on TV almost every night in America. He's not Trump, but he's almost as famous, and he used to own a professional sports team. They're in Maui. They've been for over a week. His right-hand man is great friends, been for years with my store manager of my business, who's been with me for 15, and he's an ex-police officer also, and his father is an ex-Army Ranger. So anyway... They've been there for a week trying to hand out water. The police have been trying to stop them, but they got 20 security guards with them, and they've been bowling their way on and giving the water out. Two days ago, he calls my manager and says, you're not going to believe this shit. Craziest thing I've ever seen. We're here trying to help out the people, and we see of those raft, military-type rafts you see, like, you know, on TV with the 50 cows in the front. Six of them come flying up to the, to the docks, and they get out. And it's these monster dudes, special forces, he said, and they pretty much just take over the whole dock. They take over the, the, the acting police officers are there, make them, I mean, their guns drawn, rifles drawn, like, you know, put your guns down. Make these officers put their guns down and take it over and tell all them cops that, you know, they're arrested for, for treason to the country. These guys aren't acting on U.S. military. These are ex Military guys. He said he started talking to some of the guys. They're ex-Navy SEALs. They're Rangers. They got patches on, you know, nail uh, SEALs, um, Rangers, um, ex-Marines, stuff like that. He started start talking to all of them to find out who they are, what they're there. Like, yo, we're, we're U.S. citizens. We come here to help. These these guys, this is treason to the country. We're here to help the local people. So the locals start telling them how they have all their food captive. Yeah, there's two, three containers a quarter mile up the road. They won't let us even get any of it. So they grab six guys. They go over there, three more officers, take them in control, get to the containers, and start giving out food and water. You don't hear about this on the news. Of course you're not going to hear about this on the news. This guy is there on the ground. He's calling us. He's like, you wouldn't believe what just happened a couple hours ago. He said, it is crazy. It's the craziest scene I've ever seen. I've been in war scenes. I've been, you know, at war times, he said. But this island looks worse than anything I've ever seen. Okay, we're just going to stop it right there. This guy, look, okay, first off, it's important to be cautious about who we follow and trust on platforms like TikTok and big name podcasters with large followings. Okay, so let's just start off with that. Now, first off, let's just clarify one little simple fact. Once you're a Marine, you're always a Marine. Once you're a Navy SEAL, you're always a Navy SEAL. There is no such thing as an ex-Marine or an ex-Navy SEAL or an ex-Army Ranger, so on and so forth. Once you are it... You are it. Unless you were dishonorably discharged or generally discharged, you're generally, that's what you are. So now here's the thing. Under whose authority are these uh, supposed, you know, ex-military officers and people or whatever, Who under whose authority are they acting on? Okay, so let, let's just break this down for a little bit, for a second, because let's just say this really did happen. Chances are pretty good. It's probably actually by the, you know, by 
direction of certain elements within the military. Okay. You're not going to get a bunch of retirees that are just going to just all of a sudden, you know, get, you know, military uh, style assault vehicles or vehicles of some degree and just start storming Hawaii and just start arresting people like that. I highly doubt that's what's going to happen. Now, is it possible? Maybe. Yeah. Okay. But let's critically think a little bit. Is it realistic that that's what really happened? My bet is to say no. Now, you could hear this guy. He sounds very sensationalized in his storytelling. He doesn't give any sources. He's saying, oh, somebody on TV who is not, not quite as famous as Trump, but just as famous, and he owns a sport team. Well, who the hell are you talking about, dude? Just name drop already. See, again, very, very important because here's the thing. We don't always know who these individuals are when they tell these stories, and we can't be sure if they have ulterior motives. For example, someone on TikTok, again, claiming to have that insider information like this guy involving ex-military personnel, right? I mean, we, we don't know who this guy is, okay? We know who they are. And this person sharing the story didn't provide credible sources or specific names, which raises doubts about the authenticity. I mean, it's like, like I said, look, it's, it's possible that these stories are meant to gain attention and create unnecessary fear, right? Like they just want to gain uh, notoriety. They want to gain, you know, followers, right? To sound, you know, make themselves seem relevant. But again, you need to really exercise caution and discernment when consuming content. Um, here's another thing. Now, I'm not going to play the video, but there was another video that was floating around um, on a Telegram channel with somebody that had over 100,000 followers on it, which was showing they, they shared it and they forwarded it. And it was basically a video of railroad tracks that had one of those devices on it. And they were saying, oh, my God, look, here's another device that's meant to derail you know, train tracks. And of course, in the description it says North Muskegon. And I looked at him like, wait a minute. I'm very familiar with those railroad tracks. And I'm very familiar with where that location is at because it's behind the terminal where I load and I see a train there all the time. You know what that device is? It's a wheel chalk for the train. I mean, this is the kind of nonsense I'm talking about, but yet this one particular individual with a following of 100,000 people shared a video, again, pushing forward some amateur video saying, oh my God, look at this. This is the device that derailed trains by an by a, by a oil operating place. Oh my God. No, no, that's not what it was. And I could go right to the same device and take the same video with the train on it, by the way. And here was another story out there, right? As the hurricane was going up to Florida, everyone was saying, oh my God, there was gas stations that were tainted with gas or diesel. There was diesel tainted with, you know, or gas tanks, gas stations tainted with diesel in the gas tanks because they're trying to create, uh, they're trying to make sure people don't, aren't able to escape Florida when the hurricane comes. There's 29 gas stations. Ah! Ladies and gentlemen, look, there's human error in all things. Let me share something as somebody who's in the gas industry, the gas and oil industry. Now, let me just share something with you. If a truck driver, if a fuel hauler accidentally drops diesel in a gas tank, it gets caught very quickly. That same driver does not go to 29 different gas stations to drop wrong fuel. Okay, now it was by Sitco. Okay, it was a Sitco terminal. All right. Now, generally speaking, what more than likely happened, and I'm just hypothesizing here based on the knowledge that I have, 
you get what's called pipeline cuts. So you have a refinery that makes gas and diesel and they pump it via pipeline to different terminals across their region to put in their bulk storage. These pipeline cuts sometimes come late in the middle of the night. And sometimes late in the middle of the night, operators have to get up out of bed at sometimes one, two, three in the morning to go receive the pipeline cut. And of course, there are some things that they have to do in order to put that gas or diesel in the right storage tank. More than likely, what ended up probably happening is the operator made a oops, a big boo boo, and he accidentally put the diesel in the bulk storage of gasoline. So when truck drivers are loading gasoline, thinking it's gasoline, they're loading a combination of diesel and gas mixture, which is pretty much tainted fuel at that point, thinking they're loading gas and they're taking it to the retail side of stores, you know, the side of the, the market, which is how you're able to get 29 gas stations that are basically screwed up with fuel. Now, if we had the whole state of Florida that was tainted with, uh, you know, their gas stations were tainted, then we'd have some questions to ask. But this right here is just simple human error. But yet you get sensationalized people out there like, oh, my God, oh, my God, they're trying to prevent people in Florida from, from fleeing from the hurricane. Ah, it's a conspiracy. Look, you're, you're talking to the King Conspiracy uh, researcher right here, but that right there is a ridiculous story. And people, you need to watch who you follow and who you listen to. There is so many... I'm just going to say it. No, actually, I'm not going to say it because I, I, I vowed to watch my mouth. But there's so many. Uh, uh, wait, I need my beat button. There's so many holes out there who just want to fear porn you. You know what I mean? You got to be careful who you follow. This is one of the reasons why I do not follow individuals with popular podcasts or large followings because you just never know who they are. Right. You just never know. I mean, here's the thing. Whether they they have followers that are real numbers or a mixture, right? Because again, it's possible that some of these podcasters have fabricated numbers, whatever, right? It, it could be used to attract higher quantity of people to listen to a CIA ran and operated mockingbird style type of message, right? Because again, the media is no longer trusted, so they got to divert to alternatives. And so even if these people have real numbers representing their following, you have to be aware of of those who are trying to capitalize on the ignorance and fear of the general public who still do not know any better. See, these individuals are capitalist in the wrong way because they will push out any story just to get you to panic and keep clicking on their links. Perceivably, they are painting a picture to indicate that they are in the know when they really aren't. Now, before we get into the reading, I do want to play a couple more audio pieces here. And by the way, the Judiciary Act, this is probably going to be more than likely a two-part show because there is a lot of information in this act that I'm not going to be able to get to in one show. So this will have a part two tomorrow. But I do want to play this. Let's get a little view from a little left-sided comedy real quick, about a minute and 26 seconds, and go. Oh, my apologies. Mandates are about to be reinstated, so I was wearing my mask to get ahead of the curve. I love my mask, especially in an election year, because it's a simple yet effective way to display my allegiance to the regime. Am I concerned that an analysis of top scientific studies was conducted this year and concluded that mask mandates did nothing to stop the spread of COVID-19? Nope. Am I concerned that mandatory masks once led to mandatory vaccines, which led to an epidemic of heart conditions in the otherwise young and healthy? No. Am I concerned that COVID stimulus checks and manual 
manufactured supply shortages have created a steep loss in purchasing power, making it next to impossible to afford basic necessities. Not even a little bit. Am I concerned that this state of hyperinflation will eventually lead to the perceived need for a government-backed universal basic income that will enslave us to the state in inconceivable ways? Not until it affects me directly. And why am I not concerned, you ask? I'm not concerned because I decided a long time ago that sticking to a bad course of action is much easier than admitting I was wrong. Because in order to admit I was wrong, I have to admit the right was right. And I don't like losing face to or for anything. Unless it's my mask. I've decided it's much easier to pretend my mask protects me from a viral illness when deep down I know it only protects me from one thing. Personal accountability. I prefer to float through life blaming all of the world's woes on fascism, racism, or white supremacy so that I never have to face the true enemy. <laughs> And then to follow up with that little video is just a quick 11 second snippet from South Park. Again, about 25% of people who are wearing masks in the grocery store today, um, we would just say are just still considered brainwashed. Let's just, this is pretty accurate with, uh, with what South Park um, classifies these people who still wear masks. Are you saying that one fourth of Americans are retards? Yes, I'm saying one fourth of Americans are retards. Yeah, at least one fourth. Let's take a test sample. There's four of us. You're a retard. That's one fourth. <laughs> there it is, folks. There it is. <laughs> okay. Let's get into uh <laughs> let's get into the reading. Oh Lord, heaven help us. Okay. Psalm 67. Verse one, God be merciful to us and bless us and cause his face to shine upon us. Salah, that your way may be known on earth, your salvation among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Oh, let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you shall judge the people righteously and govern the nations on earth. Selah. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Then the earth shall yield her increase, God. Our own God shall bless you, or bless us. God shall bless us, and all the ends of the earth shall fear him. And that is the reading of Psalm 67. Very, very short. Now, the psalm begins by imploring God's favor upon us, emphasizing the importance of God's guidance in our lives, and it speaks of radiant continents a symbol of God's favor shining upon us. Now, this imagery encourages us to seek God's guidance and enlightenment as we journey through life. Now, one key lesson from this psalm is the recognition of God's sovereignty and the desire for his ways to be made known on earth. Now, the psalmist acknowledges that God's salvation is meant for all nations, emphasizing that the universal nature of God's grace. Now, it's not meant for just one group or groups of people. You need to remember that. It's not meant for one particular culture or one particular race. It's meant for all of mankind around the world. And God's word is not discriminatory and does not leave anyone out. This is why God created free will, because it is up to them, individual, right? The individual man or woman to decide on whether or not that they will leave God out or not. And this lesson reminds us of the importance of the message of God's love and salvation with others, transcending cultural, and geographical boundaries. Now, the psalmist call here in this particular reading for the people to praise God underscores the notion of communal worship and unity among nations. And now, what we are talking about here is a united community worldwide. And do not mistake this as a, you know, 
one world order. I hate when people think that because this goes far. This is far from what this is. Rather, it is all of God's children stewarding this earth, right, to make it a kingdom of God, of God's here on earth, right? Heaven on earth. And this teaches us that despite our diverse backgrounds, when we come together in praise and gratitude, we strengthen our connection with one another and with God. And this passage also encourages an attitude of joy and gladness, acknowledging God's righteous judgment and governance all over the nations. So in terms of life lessons, this song actually reminds us to be instruments of blessings, just as the psalmist prays for God's blessings to flow, and we too can seek opportunities to be a source of blessings to others through acts of kindness and generosity, compassion. We embody the message of this psalm and contribute to the betterment of the world around us. Now, in summary, Psalm 67 imparts several vital lessons. One is the pursuit of God's guidance. The universal, you know, the universality of God's grace, the power of communal worship, the unity, and the role that we play in spreading blessings. And as we ponder these insights, may we be inspired to cultivate a life of purpose, sharing God's love and blessings with those around us. Now, pivoting to the topic of discussion, the Judiciary Act of September 24, 1789. Now, Today, I kind of want to shed a little light on the significant piece of American history, which we call the Judiciary Act of 1789. Now, this act was passed September 24, 1789, and it holds a special place in our nation's development as it played a pivotal role in shaping our federal judiciary system and, by extension, the entire American legal landscape. Now, the Judiciary Act of 1789 was not just another piece of legislation. It was a cornerstone of our republic. And here's a closer look as to why it's so important. Now, firstly, this act established the federal court system itself. Now, imagine trying to implement our newly ratified U.S. Constitution without a proper judicial system in place. It would have never been it, it would it would basically have been near impossible. And this act created created a uh, a structured hierarchy of federal courts with the Supreme Court at the pinnacle. And this initial framework paved the way for the functioning of our highest court. Now, the Supreme Court, as we know it today, owes its existence to this act. And it determined that the Supreme Court would comprise of six justices, including a chief justice, became the first chief justice setting the precedent for the future composition of the court. Now, crucially, the act defined the jurisdiction of federal courts, specifying the types of cases they could handle. Now, this was vital in clarifying the role of federal courts in resolving disputes involving states, citizens from different states, and cases concerning federal law, among others. And the creation of circuit courts was another significant aspect. These intermediate federal courts could both initiate cases and review decisions made by lower state courts and further strengthening the federal judiciary's reach. And notably, the act established the position of attorney general, which was a key figure who would advise the president and executive departments on legal matters, ensuring a well-informed. Now, one of its more uh, contentious provisions allowed the Supreme Court to issue writs of mandamus legal orders compelling government officials to perform specific duties. And this provision would lead to the landmark case of 
Marbury versus Madison in 1803. And now we hear Kirk from Kirk's Law Corner talk about this and reference this quite a bit. And this is where the Supreme Court asserted its power of judicial review and the authority to declare an act of Congress unconstitutional. Now, why is all this important? Because the, the Judiciary Act of 1789 was essential for several reasons. It helped create a robust and independent federal judiciary and fundamental pillar of our government. It clarified the hierarchy between state and federal courts, ensuring that federal laws would prevail in cases of conflict. And perhaps most importantly, it laid the groundwork for the concept of judicial review, where federal courts could determine the constitutionality of laws and executive actions, ensuring a system of checks and balances. So let's dive into this a little bit. So where I'm getting this from is from the forms page on national-assembly.net. And if you type in the Judiciary Act, okay, the Judiciary Act, it should pop right up, okay? And I'm just going to start reading, okay? This was, uh, uh, this was published May 3rd, 2018, the Judiciary Act, September 24th, 1789. So we're going to start, I'm going to start reading, and I'm going to get as far as I possibly can. We're going to pause somewhere in the middle. I'm going to make a note where we're pausing at, and we're going to pick up on this tomorrow just for the sake of time. I got a little carried away with some of the audio pieces, but hey, you know, it is what it is. But starting at the very beginning here, an act to establish the judicial courts of the United States, section one, be enacted by the Senate and House of Representatives of the United States of America in Congress assembled that the Supreme Court of the United States shall consist of a chief justice and five associate justices, any four of whom shall be a quorum and shall hold annually at the seat of government, two sessions, the one commencing the first Monday of February and the other the first Monday of August, that the associate justices shall have precedence according to the date of their commissions, or when the commissions of two or more of them bear date on the same day according to their respective ages. Now, section two, and be it further enacted that the United States shall and they hereby are divided into 13 districts to be limited and called as follows to wit one to consist of that part of the state of Massachusetts, which lies easterly of the state of New Hampshire and to be called main district one to consist of the state of New Hampshire and to be called New Hampshire district one to consist of the remaining part of the state of Massachusetts and to be called the Massachusetts district one to consist of the state of Connecticut to be called the Connecticut district one to consist of the state of New York to be called the New York district, consist of the state of New Jersey and to be called New Jersey district, one to consist of the state of Pennsylvania and to be called Pennsylvania district, one to consist of the state of Delaware to be called Delaware district, one to consist of the state of Maryland to be called Maryland district, one to consist of the state of Virginia except that part called the district of Kentucky and to be called the Virginia district, one to consist of the remaining part of the state of Virginia and to be called Kentucky District, one to consist of the state of South Carolina to be called the South Carolina District, and one to consist of the state of Georgia to be called the Georgia District. <clears throat> Section 3. And be it further enacted that there be a court called a district court in each of the aforementioned districts to consist of one judge, who shall reside in the district for which he is appointed and shall be called a district judge and shall hold annually four sessions, the first of which to commence as follows to wit, 
in the District of New York and New Jersey on the 1st, the District of Pennsylvania on the 2nd, the District of Connecticut on the 3rd, and in the District of Delaware on the 4th. Tuesdays of November next in the districts of Massachusetts, of Maine, and of Maryland on the 1st, in the District of Georgia and the 2nd, and in the districts of New Hampshire, of Virginia, and of Kentucky, and on the 3rd Tuesdays of December next. And the other three sessions progressive in their respective districts on like Tuesdays and so on and so forth. I'm going to skip a little bit further because you guys probably don't want to hear all of that. All right. We're going to get to the section four because all that is is just a lot of stuff. You're just going to be spinning your head around. You can definitely go read it if you'd like. And be it further enacted, section four, be it further enacted that the before mentioned districts, except those of Maine and Kentucky, shall be divided into three circuits and be called the Eastern, the Middle, and the Southern Circuit. And that the Eastern, Southern Circuit of New Hampshire, Massachusetts, Connecticut, and New York, that the Middle Circuit shall consist of the districts of New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Delaware, Maryland, and Virginia. And the Southern Circuit shall consist of the districts of South Carolina and Georgia. And that there shall be held annually in each district of said circuits two courts which shall be called circuit courts and shall consist of any two justices of the Supreme Court and the district judge of such districts, any two of whom shall constitute a quorum, provided that no judge, excuse me, no district judge shall give a vote in any case of appeal or error from his own decision, but may assign the reasons of such his decision. Now, section five, be it and it be it further enacted that the first session of the said circuit court and the several districts shall commence at the times following to wit in New Jersey on the second, New York on the fourth, Pennsylvania on the 11th, Connecticut on the 22nd, Delaware on the 27th days of April next. In Massachusetts on the third and Maryland on the seventh and South Carolina on the 12th. New Hampshire on the 20th, in Virginia on the 22nd, and in Georgia on the 28th days of May next, and the subsequent sessions in the respective districts on the like days of every sixth month afterwards, except in South Carolina, where the session of the said court shall commence on the 1st, and in Georgia, where it shall commence on the 17th day of October, and except when any of those days shall happen on a Sunday. And then the session shall commence on the next following day. And the of the said circuit court shall be held in the district of New Hampshire at Portsmouth and Exeter alternatively, or alternately, beginning at the first in the district of Massachusetts at Boston. And at the, I'll tell you what, man, boy, oh boy, the first few sections here is quite some uh, reading here about what's going on, when, where, and how. Now let's get down to, here we go, section six. Okay. Now, be it further enacted that the Supreme Court may, by any one or more of its justices being present, be adjourned from day to day until a quorum be convened. And that a circuit, excuse me, a circuit court may also be adjourned from day to day by any one of its judges, or if none are present, by the marshal of the district until a quorum be convened. And that circuit court or that district court, in case of an of the inability of the judge to attend at the commencement of a session, may by virtue of a written order from the said judge 
directed to the marshal of the district, be adjourned by the said marshal to such day and to see it until the next stated session of the said court. And as in the said order shall be appointed and in case of the death of the said judge and his vacancy not being supplied, all process pleadings and proceedings of what nature soever pending before the said court shall be continued, of course, until the next stated session after the appointment and acceptance of the office by his successor. Now, section seven. And be it further enacted that the Supreme Court and the district courts shall have power to appoint clerks for their respective courts and that the clerk for each district shall uh, district court shall be clerk also of the circuit court in such district. And each of the said clerks shall, before he enters upon the execution of his office, take the following oath or affirmations to wit. I, A, B, being appointed clerk of, do solemnly swear or affirm that I will truly and faithfully enter and record all the orders, decrees, judgments, and proceedings of the said court, and that I will faithfully and impartially discharge and perform all duties of my said office according to the best of my abilities and understanding. So help me God, which word, so help me God, shall be omitted in all cases where information is admitted instead of an oath. And the said clerk shall also severally give bond with sufficient sureties to be approved of by the Supreme and District Courts, respectively, to the United States in the sum of $2,000, faithfully to discharge the duties of his office and seasonably to record the decrees, judgments, and determinations of the court of, eight of which he is clerk. Now, Section 8. And be it further enacted that the justices of the Supreme Court and the district judge, before they proceed to execute the duties of their respective offices, shall take the oath or affirmation to wit, I, A, B, do so solemnly swear, do so, do, excuse me, do solemnly swear to or affirm that I will administer justice without respect to persons and do equal right to the poor and to the rich and that I will faithfully and impartially discharge and perform all duties incumbent on me as, according to the best of my abilities and understanding, agreeably to the Constitution and laws of the United States. So help me God. Now, Section 9. And be it further enacted that the district court shall have exclusively of all of, oh, excuse me, of the courts of the several states, cognizance of all crimes and offenses that shall be cognizable under the authority of the United States committed within their respective districts or upon the high seas where no other punishment than whipping not exceeding 30 strips a fine not exceeding $100 or a term of imprisonment not exceeding six months is to be inflicted and shall have also exclusive original cognizance of all civil causes of admiralty and maritime jurisdiction, including all seizures under laws of impost, navigation, or trade of the United States, where the seizures are made on waters which are navigable from the sea by vessels of 10 or more tons burthen within their respective districts, as well as seas, saving to suitors in all cases the right of common law remedy. Let's go back and reread that for a second. 
in all cases, the right of a common law remedy where the common law is competent to give it and shall also have exclusive original cognizance of all seizures on land or other waters than as aforesaid, made and of all suits for penalties and forfeitures incurred under the laws of the United States, and shall also have cognizance concurrent with the courts of the several states or the circuit courts, as the case may be of all causes where an alien sues for a tort only in violation of the law of nations or a treaty of the United States and shall also have cognizance concurrent as last mentioned of all suits at common law where the United States sue and the matter in dispute amounts exclusive of cost to the sum or value of the several states of all suits against consuls or vice consuls except for offenses above the description aforesaid, the trial of issues, in fact, in the district courts, in all causes except civil causes of admiralty and maritime jurisdiction shall be Interesting. Section 10. And be it further enacted that the district court in Kentucky district shall, besides the jur- jurisdiction aforesaid, have jurisdiction of all other causes except of appeals and writs of error hereinafter made cognizable in a circuit court and shall proceed therein in the same manner as a circuit court and writs of error and appeals shall lie from decisions therein to the Supreme Court in the same causes as from a circuit court to the Supreme Court and under the same regulations. And the district court and main district shall, besides the jurisdiction herein before granted, have jurisdiction of all causes, except of appeals and writs of error herein after made cognizable in a circuit court, and shall proceed therein in the same manner as a circuit court. And writs of error shall lie from decisions therein to the circuit court in the District of Massachusetts in the same manner as from other district courts in their respective circuit courts. Now you got section 11. And be it further enacted that the circuit courts shall have original cognizance concurrent with the courts of the several states of all suits of civil nature at common law or in equity, where the matter in dispute exceeds exclusive of cost, the sum of value of $500 in the United States are plaintiffs or petitioners or an alien is a party, or the suit is between a citizen of the state where the suit is brought and a citizen of another state, and shall have exclusive cognizance of all crimes and offenses cognizable under the authority of the United States, except where this act otherwise provides, or the laws of the United States shall otherwise direct and concurrent jurisdiction with the district courts of the the crimes and offenses cognizable therein. But no person shall be arrested in one district for trial in another, in any civil action before a circuit or district court, and no civil suit shall be brought before either of said courts against an inhabitant of the United States. Let's read that sentence again for some reason. I just need to read it again. And no civil suit shall be brought before either of said courts against an inhabitant of the United States by any original process in any other district than 
that whereof he is an inhabitant or in which he shall be found at the time of serving the writ, nor shall any district or circuit court have cognizance of any suit to recover the contents of any promissory note or other choose in action in favor of an assignee unless a suit might have been prosecuted in such court to recover the said content if no assignment had been made, except in cases of foreign bills of exchange. And the circuit court shall also have appellate jurisdiction from the district courts under the regulations and restrictions herein after provided. Sec 12, and be it further enacted that if a suit be commenced in any state court against an alien or by a citizen of the state in which the suit is brought against a citizen of another state and the matter in dispute exceeds the aforesaid sum or value of the $500 exclusive of cost to be made to appear to the satisfaction of the court and the defendant shall at the time of entering his appearance in such state court file a petition for the removal of a cause for trial into the next circuit court to be held in a district where the suit is pending, or if in the district of Maine to the district court next to holden therein, or if in Kentucky district to the district court next to be holden therein, and offer good and sufficient surety for his entering in such court, <clears throat> on the first day of its session, copies of said process against him, and also for his there appearing, and entering special bail in the cause, if special bail was originally requisite therein, it shall then be the duty of the state court to accept the surety and proceed no further in the cause and any bail that may have been originally taken shall be discharged. And the said copies being entered as aforesaid in such court of the United States. The cause shall there proceed in the same manner as if it had been brought there by original process and any attachment of the goods or estate of the defendant by the original process shall hold the goods or estate so attached to answer the final judgment same manner as by the laws of such state they would have been holden to answer final judgment had it been rendered by the court in which the suit commenced and if any action commenced in a state court the title of land be concerned and the parties are citizens of the same state and the matter is dispute exceeds the sum of value of 500 exclusive of cost, the sum of value being made to appear to the satisfaction of the court, either party before the trial shall state to the court and make affidavit if they require it that he claims and shall rely upon a right or title to the land under a grant from a state other than that in which the suit is pending and the procedure, excuse me, and produce the original grant or an exemplification of it, except where the loss of public records shall put it out of his power and shall move that the adverse party inform the court whether he claims a right or title to the land under a grant from the state in which the suit is pending and the said adverse party shall give such information or otherwise not be allowed to plead such grant or give it in evidence upon the trial. And if he informs that he does claim under such grant, the party claiming under the grant first mentioned may then on motion remove the cause for trial to the next circuit court to be holden in such district 
or if in the district of Maine to the court next to be holding there in, or if in Kentucky district to the district court next to the holding there to be holding there in. But if he is the defendant shall do it under the same regulations as in the before mentioned case of the removal of a cause into such court by an alien and neither party removing the cause shall be allowed to plead or give evidence of any other title than that by him stated as aforesaid as the ground of his claim and the trial of issues in fact in the circuit courts shall in all suits except those of equity and of admiralty and maritime jurisdiction be by jury. So we're going to stop right there at section 12. We're going to leave off here. We're going to pick this up with section 13. Let me see how many sections there is here. I am curious. So it looks like, man, there's a lot of sections here. Wow. We got uh, 35 sections. So we got a little bit of ground to cover tomorrow. And yes, I know it's not the most riveting part of the show. I get it. But, you know, we have to read these things and try to understand some of our past documents, right? We have to understand some of the past legislation. We have to try to have a fundamental understanding of what was written then and why. What purpose did it serve? And yes, sometimes it might require reading it two, three, four, five times. What did I say at the podcast? We cannot rely on a few individuals for information, right? We need to decentralize this information. We need to learn from each other. We need to document what we've researched. We need to, we need to take in this information. We cannot rely on a few individuals. That's not how this works because if those few individuals pass away, guess what? Poof, there goes our assembly because then we're going to be sitting there left wondering, uh, what do we do boss? I don't know, but the boss, so I don't know what we do. He had all the knowledge. What do we do? This is why we have to read through these things. This is why we have to learn these things, folks. Does this make sense? So let's end right there in prayer. And we'll pick this up tomorrow in part two. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you today with a grateful heart, seeking your guidance and strength. And in these challenging times, we're reminded of the importance of keeping our heads held high and our faith unwavering. Lord, you have blessed us with the gift of self-governance, and we are called to steward this precious responsibility with wisdom and integrity. And we ask that you help us to remember the values upon which our nations were founded, justice, freedom, and equality for all. And in the face of adversity and uncertainty, let us find inspiration in your unwavering love and guidance. Grant us the courage to forge ahead, knowing that with you by our side, we are never alone. And your word reminds us that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. And no matter the challenges that we encounter, we trust in your divine plan. And your commandments provide us with a moral compass and your calling encourages us to love our neighbor as ourselves. And let this love be a guiding light leading us to unity, compassion, and understanding. And we pray for our leaders that we may be filled with wisdom and compassion as they navigate the complexities of governance and and may they guidance in their decisions, always striving for the common good. 
And as we move forward on this journey, help us to keep our heads held high and our hearts filled with hope and our spirits resilient because we know that with faith in you, we will become any obstacle and emerge stronger than before. And Rietta adds to the prayer, Father, thank you so much for all your goodness. Lord, you alone are our great and mighty God. We are so blessed by your gift of Jesus and by our faith in him, we receive a free gift of salvation. Lord, we need you and the world is so full of evil, but you are the victor. Absolutely. The Lord is the victor. And I also want to say a little prayer for my, my mother-in-law who had to undergo surgery. We'll just leave it there. It was a kind of a, a, an emergency surgery that took place over the weekend. So we pray for a successful surgery, which it was, and a fast recovery. Rietta also adds here, we please also ask to answer the prayers of the unspoken prayer, you know, answer those unspoken prayers. And for the many that are sick and that might be feeling discouraged and for the special intentions of any, any unheard prayers. And, uh, and we just thank you for just another day of life and good health. I cannot stress that enough, folks. We need to always be thankful for another day of life and good health. There's a lot of things that are occurring. Yeah, there's a lot of uncertainties that are happening. Yes, but you know what? At the end of the day, with God at our side, we will be just fine. And we pray all of this in his holy name, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen, ladies and gentlemen. And I appreciate all of you being here. Sorry for being gone for so long. I promise it won't be. Well, I can't promise that because that would be a promise I'll probably easily break because, you know, there's going to be months that it gets busy again, you know. Um, but um, I will try not to let that happen frequently. Okay, that that I can do. I will do my best to make sure that doesn't happen frequently. It was a very long time we were off the air here there for a minute with just one or two little shows in the middle of all that. I tell you, like I said, it's been a busy, busy, busy month. You know, I had celebrating daughter's birthday and our wedding anniversary vacation. I had a work trip. You know, we just had so much going on this month. Just so much going on. Coast Guard, right? Yeah, we had Coast Guard. I mean, August is a busy, busy month around here in Michigan. Let me tell you. <laughs> so anyways, but I hope you all have a wonderful day, a wonderful afternoon, and I appreciate all of you being here. Share the show. Listen, I don't here just so you guys know. Remember, I don't advertise, okay? I don't advertise. I'm not on a bunch of social media platforms, pretty much just Telegram. That's about it, okay? So I rely on all of you to share this podcast and to share this with friends and family members, right? Leave leave comments, rate the show wherever you can, okay? But share this podcast because without you guys, this platform is nothing. I don't do much beyond what I just rely on God to do. Okay, but if we want to grow this platform, I rely solely really on you guys, really. All right. I don't I don't advertise and I don't have a lot of guests on here for a reason. Okay, um, but the guests that I do have are people who are very knowledgeable, like Bill Hermanson. Right. I'm going to have him on again here. We were just texting about having him on again. All right. But uh, I rely solely on you guys. And remember, if you want to email the show, it's hishardline at gmail.com, hishardline at gmail.com. If you want to learn more about your 
your state's assembly, you can go to um, www.national-assembly.net. That's www.national-assembly.net. Um, you can go in the forums, learn a little bit more there. There's a Thursday uh, conference call every Thursday at 9 p.m. Eastern time. If you want to know a little bit more what what's going on, you can also email uh, the email. Uh, put in your subject line, the state that you're in, and then in the sub or in the body of the email, your basic first and last name, and then a phone number that someone can reach you at. But you can email content manager. The number, I believe it's the number uh, two. Uh, Destry, help me out here. I think it's content manager one or two. I got to look at this real quick. Hold on. Unless he, because he might be busy at work. Oh, let me look at my email real quick. <clears throat> content. There it is. Thank you, Angie. Content manager one at yahoo.com. That's C O N T E N T, content. No space, okay, so it's content and then manager, M-A-N-A-G-E-R, the number one at yahoo.com, content manager one at yahoo.com. Put in the subject line your state in the body of the email, your name and a basic phone number that somebody can reach you at, and what we will do is Destry will forward you to um, your communication secretary in your state if there is one, otherwise a coordinator of sorts, and we'll go from there. Okay. Content manager one at yahoo.com. So I hope you all have a great day or night, wherever you're at in the world, ladies and gentlemen. And thank you for joining us here at his hard line. We will be back here tomorrow. God bless, ladies and gentlemen.
Remember, ladies and gentlemen, remember, ladies and gentlemen, we are firm, we are steadfast, and we are uncompromising. The enemy has crossed that line for the last time. It is up to people like you and I to hold that line. They've crossed the line way too many times, and it is time for us to stand up this republic and get after it. We gotta do this for God. We gotta do this for our families. We gotta do this for America, for the voiceless. It's time to get after, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for joining the show. Get to check out the website www.hisheartline.com and if you want to know more about how to get involved with your assembly go to www.national-assembly.net that's www.national-assembly.net get active ladies and gentlemen let's go Joining us here at His Heart Line. 
you back here next time. Thank <laughs> you.